Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston, Executive Recruiter, Director of Recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And today, I have brought you yet another little tasty treat. So let me get right to introducing our guest for today. I want to welcome Chris Allaire, CEO and founder at Averity, a team-based technology recruiting form firm, sorry, I'm going to get this right, in New York City. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about what's going on there right now. And they focus on data science, data engineering, DevOps, application security engineering, and web engineering. As the leader of one of the top recruiting agencies in New York, Chris joins us to share his insight into the job market and some of the tips he has for hiring managers and for people looking for their next job. Chris, I am so excited you are here with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. This, this is so awesome. So I always like to start our show telling our guests how we met. And so how did we meet? Through uh, the great networker, uh, a gentleman named Adam Connors, who actually hosted me. I've known him for many years. And he hosted me on a podcast uh, talking about a verity and my philosophies and the, and the way I do things. And naturally, you know him and you heard the podcast out to him. To introduce, him to, to introduce me to you, and I guess this would be the start of history. Exactly, exactly. It was so cool because Adam was so gracious, and you're right, he is the great networker, and I just absolutely adore the guy. But he said, Go through my podcast listen to them. Maybe that was just his way of getting me to listen to them um, and see if there's any guests that you really like. And let me tell you, he had some top notch guests on there, but I didn't feel like it was fair to ask for introductions to all of them. So I chose my three favorites and you were one of them. I'm honored. That's awesome to hear. <laughs> and I listened to quite a few. So, so tell us a little bit about Averity, just real quick, and what you do, and then we'll kind of dig into the meat of our topics today. So, uh, so Averity is, like you said, it's a technology recruiting firm. We're based in New York City. Um, started the company a little over six and a half years ago. Just I wanted to pioneer a change in the industry and do the thing, do things in the recruiting business the way I really believe they should be done and, and a little bit better. So, um, started with, uh, liquidated my 401k, uh, had a six month old daughter at the time, who's now seven years old and talked to my wife and said, listen, I'm going to do this. And the, the real funny thing is rather than getting, you know, even like a talking to my wife looked at me and said, I think it's about time. Wow. Um, it was, yeah, she's supposed to be the voice of reason in the house. And rather than her trying to reason with me or, you know, talk to me about risk and, you know, what do we do with the family, et cetera, she, um, she's supposed to talk me off the cliff. She just she pushed me she right pushed off. She pushed you. <laughs> she just gave me a good, go do it. And I was like, wow, okay, that, 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 that was happening. But 
Um, so I've had, I had all the in the world to really kind of do that. And then really got a chance to, to, you know, start on the dining room table and kind of grew it from there and really, uh, you know, hired some, some amazing people that work for me right now. And the company, you know, incredible. I've had no turnover in almost three years. Um, just doing, doing well, staying together and, and, um, love the business that we're in, you know, tech is a, an exciting space to be in. So it's. And, and we're going to dig into your hiring practices here in just a minute because, and I think that's amazing. I don't think I knew that you hadn't had any turnover in three years. And also, yeah, you just said so much. Kudos to your wife, number one, for supporting you and kudos to you for jumping off without a safety net. I mean, when you liquidate your 401k to do something that you're passionate about, that that's pretty impressive. It was... Uh some daunting moments, to say the <laughs> least. But I had a lot of belief in, in what I was doing. I really knew why I wanted to do this, and I really kind of followed it. So, but I, and again, it's, it's nice when you have the backing and the and people that really support you because it really helps things out. You know, really the sales go a little smoother when, when you don't have the the arguments. That's for sure. You know, I could go off on a whole nother tangent on this about having the support, but I just want to just I just want to kind of pull that up for people for just a second because your significant other can have such an impact on the direction of your life, your career, everything. And so it, I, I think it's so important that you choose wisely, and it sounds like you did. Uh, I she is going to agree with you. And <laughs> Tell her I'm on team to... wife. <laughs> uh, so am I. She's uh, I'm. I'm a very fortunate, very lucky person, and I, I know that every single day. That's, that's, that's and I think it's critical. You know, a lot of times we forget about that. That we have um, the support unit and the cast at home that are supporting everything we do, and especially in the recruiting, it's really it's really easy to get caught up with something else and forget that people need to uh, talk things over and, and make that educated decision the right way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know I've talked about this in the past and I swear to God, I'm about to get to you, but <laughs> you know, my, this is not my first career was, is recruiting, right? And had I not had the support of a strong, significant other to move from accounting to sales and recruiting, I would have ne never taken that leap of faith. And so it's just so important. And I'm so glad that you brought that to our attention today. So I, I share it with Everybody, every time I share my story with the company, I'm, I want to make sure that people understand that that's where kind of where it came from, you know, because I think that that story is pretty important. So and that's a, uh, that was an important piece for really way I, you know, I was able to do it and, and how I was able to be successful. That is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that with us and giving team wife credit today. <laughs> so, so Chris, I want to talk to you a little bit about your philosophy as a recruiter. So your philosophy, and I'm pulling this from the website, people hire people, not buzzwords, acronyms, letters, and numbers. How did you come to this philosophy and what does it mean to you? Um, I know it's weird to say, but honestly, the it just kind of was like common sense. And I know it's, you know, it's common sense isn't always so common with people, but the experience I've had is I've seen, I've never seen a resume get an offer um, I've seen some of the people who are most qualified for the job get turned down for the job. I've seen people who are least qualified for the job get hired. And that's the biggest thing is like, no matter what resumes say, you know, we're still working with people and I'm in the technology space. Technology is a tool to aid people to improve performance, 
But the heart and soul of business is always going to be people. And that's never going to change. And I don't, and 100% of the reason this really is the people. That, and, um, you know, people have like, in my opinion, there's five major impact points in someone's life. Uh, there's a marriage, there's a death, there's the birth of a child, there's buying a home, and they're changing a job. And we're in the middle of that business. And I think when you really think of it that way, you really understand that, you know, what you're dealing with is you're dealing with people. And that's really what it comes down to on a day-to-day basis. So honestly, I think I came up with it was just, you know, I'm pretty sure someone told it to me a long time ago and I stuck with me and I, I, I remember you it. And I love that you said, and I, I, I knew as soon as I heard you on the podcast and then as soon as we had a conversation, I was like, oh my God, we are so much alike because it is about the people and it's not about the transactions, right? The, our peoples have name, they have faces, not just dollar signs on their head. And that's what I'm really wanting to kind of transform the recruiting world so that, you know, we're not just getting people jobs, we're getting people the right jobs. Uh, absolutely. And I think the... And it's very, uh, I've been in the business for a long time, probably like you, and it's, I've seen a lot of people get caught up in the transactional side of the business. Mm-hmm. And I really try to stay level-headed and, and understand that the transactional side of the business is very important, don't get me wrong. But, you know, the impact that you can make on somebody and the impact that you can make on a company is enormous. And, you know, take that part of it. So the rest of it will just kind of work itself out. Absolutely. So let's talk about your company for a second. So Averity is an extremely or has an extremely collaborative environment, right? Um, How can company leaders utilize collaboration to find the right talent? So um, I think first and foremost, you need to, I understand really what collaboration is because really what collaboration is everyone working together to achieve one common goal. So in my opinion, I think the collaboration of leaders in order to hire the right talent, they need to understand first and foremost, the hiring landscape um, from both sides of the equation. And I think what happens a lot of times when they start to hire, they're really thinking about their the qualifications that they need. And they forgot at one point in time that they were actually candidate that was looking for a job. So they get caught up in these list of qualifications and they're worried about someone checking A, B, C, and it's like 10 out of 10. All right, they're a match. Um, and I don't, and I think they need to remember that you're still interviewing people and if when they take that and things change. Um, you need to communicate, collaborate, and you need to be realistic with what you're looking for. Um, I think the other realistic and when recruiting somebody is understanding really how to sell the job properly. It's not just a, a screening out people, it's actually attracting people to work for you. So they really, you know, this, that two-sided process. And the thing about recruiting, again, you know, it's, it's always makes me excited is that you're dealing, you're in the middle of two people. So you have two things that have an opinion. So when you understand that, I think you set yourself up to be more successful. Um, so prior to the pandemic, I, I pulled, um, I don't even know how many candidates, ballpark about 75 to 80 people and people that we had placed. And the success rate, so if companies were making offers on their own, they had a 36% acceptance rate, mm-hmm. which means you go through all this work, you finally identify someone you want to make an offer to, you've got about a third of a chance of that person actually accepting the job. Now, the nice thing is, is with working with us, our acceptance rate was a little over 70, it was actually like 77%. And the reason why our, our percentages were so much higher is because we were focused really around what the candidates' wants were. 
and why they were a good fit for the company, how they could grow there. And we were able just to really kind of sell them on the company and the job itself, less around qualifications. Um, I think from a leadership standpoint, from collaboration, you need to understand why you're hiring somebody in the first place and really what the goal is you're trying to accomplish. You need to make sure that you're communicating around how your teams are currently made up, what the different personalities are that are on your teams, and making sure that the person that you're hiring is going to be a good fit and jive with the team. Um, there's a lot of times, again, you start thinking about the skill set first, but you forget about the whole team mentality. Um, and, and obviously, don't get me wrong, you know, you need the skill set, but hiring the wrong person um, can be, comes in there and really rocks the boat. You know, they can be detrimental to not only the product that you're really trying to build and launch, but the team itself. And I've seen mm -hmm. numerous times where someone has come in, hired the wrong person, and next thing I know, the entire team is like, that's it, we're out of here. So um, I also think this is, you know, kind of long-winded, but the Leaders need to not, from a collaboration standpoint, you can't generalize on the candidate. And what I mean by that is I've heard a lot of times, you know, it's like, you know, where the people are coming from, what companies they're coming out of that we like, and what companies are coming out of that we don't like. Mm -hmm. I think when you generalize like that, you're really eliminating a lot of very talented people. And you need to be really open-minded and make sure that you're talking to people to make sure that they're going to be a good fit. And then from the last point, from a collaboration standpoint, it, that's really what it is. Again, you need to have everybody on the same page. And I think we've all seen this is what happens is, you know, one person is looking for one thing. Another person is looking for something completely different. And there's no communication around um, kind of that common area. So you end up passing on a lot of really talented people. Someone could be an extraordinary quality hire, but Instead, they're just waiting around for somebody that kind of checks all these boxes and they have to make this person happy and they have to make this person happy and they're just waiting for someone to fall from the sky. It doesn't really work. So you know, the key word is, is really, again, it's collaboration and it's understanding. You know, and you said something earlier that I've talked about before on the podcast about hiring the wrong person and what that can do for your team. And, you know, and I've had that experience where I've hired the wrong person and you're right. You hire, I don't care how good your team is, when, when you hire that wrong person, and it doesn't mean the person can't do the job, it just may mean that he's not the culture fit for your team, then, I mean, I saw it, it destroyed my team. It absolutely destroyed what I had built. It was devastating. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and it really is that expression, you know, like one bad apple can spoil a bunch. So. It is so true. And until you experience that as a leader and a manager... And, and I think I, I feel like everybody experiences that at some point. Would you agree with that? I say absolutely, especially if you've been in any type of management capacity or even worked on a team. We've all been in those environments where, you know, you've got that one person and just like, oh, my God, like they really get under your skin or they really annoy you or they they're the kind of Johnny know it all or they've always got that that backhanded response or answer or they're always trying to one up you. and You're just like, oh, my God, I, I like, I love my job and I love where I work, but why does this guy have to work here? And um, and the worst part is, and I, I'm not been in environments like that, and you've expressed, like, we, I remember a long time ago, like, we interviewed somebody, I was like, listen, I see where you're going, I see why you like the guy, but I'm telling you right now, it's not a good idea, you shouldn't hire him. And about two months into the job, him and I were at each other's throats pretty much constantly. 
um, genuinely didn't like the guy. And finally, I was just like, you know what? I hate to do this, but I'm I'm out of here. Like, I'm not doing it anymore. And I and I know that your allegiance is to him. So I guess uh, I guess I'm out. Yeah. So it, yeah. It, it, uh, it, it happens, and it happens more often than I think a lot of people really want to admit. Absolutely. So I'm curious, have you, and I mean, it's okay if you haven't, but have you done any additions or added any people to your team during the pandemic? No, not right now. We, okay. I'm actually just started interviewing now. Um, we, my biggest thing was making sure that things were going to be stable and thriving and then we could continue to, to grow and, and really be successful in what we do. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to take any, any new risks um, right now. And, um, and there's challenges, you know, the, the remote thing is a challenge. Um, the, the global impact is definitely a challenge. So I wanted to slow and steady wins the race. Like let's, you know, let's make sure we're good with, let's make sure we're great with what we have, but start, you know, before I start throwing a, a bunch of new puzzle pieces into the, into the box here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, but I know that you're still hiring. I know, I mean, I'm sure probably for you, just like it's been for us, it's definitely slowed down. It's not, you know, pre-COVID job orders and stuff like that, but we're starting to pick back up. But, you know, let's talk about some of the new challenges that are facing our hiring managers that we're recruiting for. You know, what are some of the challenges of remote hiring and how are they, how are people overcoming them? I, uh, this is, I've had a lot of conversations with um, everything from VPs of HR to PTOs about this so far. And the biggest, the biggest challenge that I've seen with people is, the, is this idea of culture. Because what it was versus what it now is completely different. So there's a lot of people that are still caught up in the past. And there's a lot of people that are still waiting for the future to unfold. And the, the so they're not living in the present. So the interesting thing is right now is the, the cultures of past are really behind us. And we have no idea what the future is going to hold for us moving forward. So if we really want to be successful, we really want to uh, grow, we need to adapt to where we currently are. And <laughs> Technology. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's what happens when you have too many devices all connected. So find you anywhere. So I apologize about that. But um, so what I was saying is like it's just this acceptance of kind of where we are right now, and if you can accept that, then um, you you know you're not trying to solve culture. And I think that's that's an interesting thing. Um, the challenges. I think a big challenge right now for people is when you're hiring somebody that's going to be in a remote environment. You need to make sure that the people you're hiring are set up to be successful remotely. Now, some aren't, some aren't. Um, you know, I, I tell people, like, listen, you know, what is your desk situation? Where are you working? Are you, do you have a home office? Like, I have a completely separate unit from the house that's a quiet home office that I can be in here. So, I'm, you know, it's great. Are you working from the dining room table? Are you working on the couch? Um, what's your internet service like? What's your computer setup? Do you have a, you know, 2012 legacy laptop, or are you set up from a technology standpoint to be successful? So I think that more, um, that's a challenge for a lot of people, making sure that someone is set up to be successful remotely is, uh, is going to be critical for them. The, the other big challenge for people is this idea of, of not meeting someone. And I think that when you meet, you have that energy exchange when you meet somebody, 
And a lot of times you're going to know off the bat, you know, based on their handshake, based on eye contact, whether or not you kind of like somebody, right? You know, so this idea of really meeting somebody these days is all virtual. Um, so you really need to trust your gut and ask the right question to make sure that um, the energy is, is really um, is there for you, which obviously is going to be challenging. I think um, talking about people, if they're working from home, you know, what is their home situation? Depending on where you live, it's, it's, you know, are your kids back in school, right? Do they have daycare? Or if they're not in school, what are they doing the days that they have virtual classes? Are you in charge of them? Is somebody else in charge of them? Do you have help? So understanding, you know, what their home situation really is, is, um, you know, that's, that's a challenge for a lot of people because I've seen a lot of folks and their, you know, their home situation isn't great to be successful working remotely. And it's like, listen, that's unfortunately, that's kind of a, a red flag. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, every hire you're going to, you're going to make is a risk anyways. Um, I think the biggest challenge right now for people is a level of trust and understanding that you need to be willing to take on a little bit more of a risk right now. Um, because when someone starts and the, you know, the onboarding process is completely different. So, you know, your manager's not looking over your shoulder, you know, there's no micromanagement anymore. So all these, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of that going on right now. So I think the biggest thing is just, I've been trying to tell people, like, listen, it's always been a risk to hire someone. It's a little bit more of one right now, but you need to trust your gut and you need to believe. And if you like somebody, hire them. If they don't work out, then it happens. But, you know, you, you, need, to, you need to trust them. Well, and something you said about understanding the home situation, I just, you know, it's okay for recruiters to ask those questions, but I want to just be very cautious with employers who may be interviewing on their own that you could not ask questions about children and all that kind of stuff prior to hire. You need to make sure that if you're addressing those issues that it is after the fact because we don't want any discrimination suits to come up on around those areas. But with recruiters, I feel like that's a little bit different because recruiters have your best interest at heart. And while recruiters can't ask you those questions directly, the more you share with them, the better able they are to go find that right opportunity for you. Now, me as a recruiter, somebody tells me they have 10 kids. I'm not sharing that with the client. I can't, right? Yeah. And so, it, what I have on the phone with somebody asked them where they're working. He was like, well, I'm just, um, I'm on, I'm in my bedroom on the bed. And then every now and then I move to the dining room. And I'm like, okay, we need to address that. <laughs> Exactly. And then the other thing you said, which I thought was so, so true, you were talking about people having to get away from the fact of meeting people in person. And I'll tell you when, you know, I pre-COVID, I met all my candidates in person. That was my gold seal of standard. That was my promise to my clients. And so to step, have to step away from that, because we're still not bringing candidates into the office, right? So we've still got, you know, security protocols in place and social distancing and all that. And to step away from that and to step only into Zoom calls was really, really hard for me. It's, it's a big challenge. And I know, you know, the in-person communication is huge. And again, it's the, it's the energy exchange. You know what they say, you know, 80% of communication is nonverbal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can do the best you can on Google Meet or whatever people are doing these days. And it is difficult, but, you know, it's, we got to do the best we can with it. You know, you can't. What are we going to do? We can't. We still have to move forward. We have to grow. We just have to adapt to some different philosophies than what we were used to before in the past. Absolutely. So, 
Um, so pre-COVID, you know, the talent pool was super tight. I'm sure, I know it wasn't accounting and finance. We had like 1.7% unemployment in accounting and finance nationwide. Um, and I'm sure it was the same in the technology. I'm sure that was a pretty tight industry as well. But now, you know, we're, we're seeing with COVID tons and tons of layoffs, right? And so I think this poses a, a problem for hiring managers is because there's so many people looking for employment and they're having to wade through so many resumes, you know, what can they do, you know, to, what, what do you think they're looking for to make a quality hire? And I, I think you wrote something on LinkedIn not too long about this, about what makes a candidate a quality hire, no matter industry or not. Am I, am I correct? You are you're absolutely correct. I actually just did it um, not long ago. It's, I've always found it to be interesting because I remember last year I was sitting in different conferences about the recruiting industry and about hiring and growing teams. And, you know, the this big statistic is like 88% of this, you know, the HR staff is saying that the most important thing is this quality of hire. I found it to be interesting because it's the one very arbitrary term. There's no measuring stick for it. You know, it's not about years of experience. It's not about money. It's not about, you know, whatever. And to every person that I've ever spoken to, you know, like even myself, for example, like their version of hire is going to be different than somebody else's. So um, the, the hard part about it was like what a quality hire is. And unless you've had a lot of experience in hiring, prior to really knowing about all the little things you're looking for, um, that makes it really difficult. So if you want to know what a real quality hire is, you need to make sure that you trust the other people around you. Be like, okay, what did you listen to? What did you like? Um, you know, really get, get some tips and advice. Unless you've, if you've a lot of teams and you've hired a lot of people before in the past, then you, excuse me, you're going to know what you're looking for. Um, I still think, you know, it's interesting because the hiring, I still think is a lot of risk versus reward factor. You don't really know that some of the quality hire until you actually hire them. And then still they start working and then you're like, wow, like I thought you were going to be good, but. You're not. Wow. <laughs> I've had some of those too. Um, yeah. And I think it's a, it's a really interesting thing. And the things I've, like, I personally look for a lot of different things, but I know that a lot of the common denominators, it was, it was never really about skill set. I, I thought that was great. Um, it was about attitude, communication, articulation. And to the candidates you're talking to, they really understand the purpose behind what they're doing. Are they, are they passionate about it? And why do they love it? Because those are the people that are, that I found are really going to go above and beyond the duty when, um, you know, a problem arises or when it hits the fan or if there's a man, you know, whatever the situation is, those are the people like, oh, you know what? Let me, I'll figure this out. I'll work late. I'll figure it away. Oh, I'm not doing anything this weekend. Let me dive into this type of stuff. Because at the end of the day, I think skills can, so the things you're really looking for uh, are attitude, aptitude and uh, make sure that the personality can really jive with your team. And if you have those types of things, then I think you're going to be set up for uh, a much better success. The unfortunate things is those types of things really you can't look for on a resume. You just have to, you have to look for the, the right things you're looking for. And then as you start to talk to people, you're going to realize like what you really like and what you don't like. And, and uh, you got to trust your gut on those things. You know, one of the things that I look for when I'm interviewing, whether I'm interviewing for a client or I'm interviewing internally, 
is I, I'm looking for that passion, just like what you're talking about. And I often will somehow ask a question to get them to talk about something they're passionate about. So I'll look for like a hobby. I'll say, tell me about this. And then I watch to see how they open up and engage me, because, especially if I'm hiring internally. Because if you can't tell me a story, you're probably not going to be able to tell somebody else's story, which means you're probably not going to engage with them, which means you're not going to sell, right? You're not going to get them on the phone. Yeah. So I think passion when you're interviewing about anything is really important. And I think that if you are not passionate for the role that you're applying for, that's probably not the right place for you. I, I would agree. You need to have people that really, I like people that genuinely care about what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. And I, I mean, people that are just like the, you know, the nine to fivers, I mean, I'm, listen, I'm not, I'm sure there's a place in time for everybody that's out there, just not for me. And I like people that are like, oh, I'll get that done. Oh, you know, give it to me. I'll figure it yeah. out. And they like to look at challenges and problems and the way to solve things. So, But at the same time, if they get their work done and leave early one day, no big deal. Because you know they're going to get Absolutely. it done. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and I guess that's probably why Averity has been voted one of the best places to work in New York City of all places. Congratulations on that. That is amazing. I mean, that's not a small city. I, I, to me, I don't know. Maybe I'm that, – that's not a small feat, right? No. I had uh, – it it's always been one of my major goals to be the best company to work for in New York. Um, it's actually fun because the, the staffing industry, um, the SIA has a, another poll that comes out and we were, um, based on surveys and, and research, we were the number three for our size group, mm -hmm. which is the, the small size, we were the number three best staffing company in the country to work for. Wow. Yeah, well, I was supposed to go down into Miami in March to the awards banquet and all that kind of job. Fortunately, you know, COVID came put a little halt on a couple of things. But Just a few. Uh, building an environment, yeah, building an environment where people genuinely love their job and feel really appreciated. And, you know, it, it's something I take very, very seriously. So I really, you know, the dedication of the people uh, will yield you a way better environment to work in and people can hear it and they can see it and they want to be a part of something. Well, and I, I would definitely want to get this question in and I'm not going to have time to ask you all my questions, unfortunately, because we're running out of time. But, you know, I, I think it's so important that, you know, and I love that you strive for that, but there's a lot of companies. Not everybody gets best company to work for in New York City, right? And one of the first things a lot of candidates do, and I face this all the time with clients, is they'll go to Glassdoor and they'll read the reviews and then they'll be like, I'm not going to interview for that company, right? So what are some things a company can do to kind of protect its brand and to, you know, position themselves to be a great place to work? Um, I think, first of all, it comes from leadership on its way down. I think leaders really need to understand, first and foremost, what the brand of your company is. And I find that a lot. It's like, you no, know, what is that whole question, right? You know, like, what does the company really do? Mm -hmm. And I think when you really understand that, then you can start to talk to your team and your people. You know, they're not robots. They're not machines. You know, about what the brand really is. And the people that work for you are, are then going to, they're going to have a belief system. So that's, you know, it's the belief, it's the vision. And then as a leadership, you know, you need to make sure that you're sharing that with you. And, you, and, they, need, and they need to buy into it. And when they buy into it, they're going to sell it to the people they're talking to. And then you create, you know, that's how, that's how the, in my opinion, a brand really is. You know, it's, 
It's um, you know, what is what is what is your company really doing? How are you going to excel at it? You know, one thing I tell people all the time when I'm combating those Glassdoor reviews is that you know, I've been very happy at the companies I've worked for, and never wrote a review. But I guarantee you, those people that get fired or leave disgruntled, they write a review. So consider that as you're reading those reviews. Yeah, I think it's uh, anytime it's volunteered information. I think it's it's always you know, it's, you just consider the source. Yes. You know, absolutely. I've been a lot of restaurants, and I have uh, not left five star reviews for them. And uh, I'll leave that one all- star. <laughs> Yeah, I have no problem leaving that one star. Exactly, exactly. But that's fair. I would want to know that. So please keep leaving the one stars. (laughs) It's nothing I can't stand more than a bad restaurant. Yeah, especially when I got recommended to you. Yeah, yeah. So it's time for us to wrap up, Chris. This went so fast. Um, So I want to ask you our VIP questions. Are you ready? Yeah, I am. This is the, this is to me the, it's all fun, but I really like this because I love to see how people's brains tick. So my first question is if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Um, I'll try to be brief for this one. I thought about two things with this. I was like, oh no, there's got the, the practical answer, which is like, oh, I didn't end the supply of oxygen and food. But I was like, you know what, what would I do? So if we're sending me to Mars, um, I'm going to assume the satellites my iPhone is going to work. So I'm definitely bringing my iPhone um, so I can stay connected with everybody, send some really cool pictures, and, uh, and obviously jam out to Pandora while I'm up there. Uh, <laughs> I would bring a botnet. I don't know who or what, but i got to eat. So I would definitely bring a botnet that could grow me some food. I don't think uh, Grubhub is going to be able to, to get me sushi while I'm on Mars, so I need somebody. And, uh, and not to be weird, but... Uh, you know, I, I'm going to bring Elon Musk. You know, I think he's from Mars. So he could probably show me around. Um, me some solar power, you know, an endless battery, you know, probably a rocket ship if I, if I get to take off for a little while. So I'll, I'll take Elon. You know, I don't want to burst your bubble, but you're not the first one to take Elon. <laughs> <laughs> but you are the first one to claim that he's from there. neighborhood, I mean, so... <laughs> That was great. That was great. So what is one thing you do to start your day and set it up for success? Um, I start my every day. I spend about 10 minutes and I get my, what I call I get myself a state and I set my purpose for the, what I really want to accomplish that day and the reason I really want to go after it. So every day I have a purpose and I have a state and I actually have it written down on my wall in front of me. So I make sure I, I see it all the time. It kind of keeps me um, keeps it really motivating, gives me remember really kind of what I'm going for. So I understand purpose, but tell me a little bit more about state. So state, it's the way, um, what I would say is like the way you feel when you're at your peak or when you're at your best. Mm-hmm. So okay. I'm on top of the world. How do I feel when I'm, everything's jiving, everything's moving. And I'm like, everybody I talk to is a yes. And I'm like, oh my God. So you know, you come up with all these words and descriptions when you do is identify basically three of them. And those three are kind of your, what I call is your, or especially what Tony Robbins calls, that's your peak state. And in that state, there's, you can't accomplish anything. And does your state change from day to day? Um, I mean, I'm no different. You're going to have good days and bad days, but I, 
you know, that's the way to start my day is always making sure that it's the first thing on my mind. And anytime I catch myself kind of breaking away from it, I, it's very easy for me to um, train myself on how to get back into that, that state to make sure that nice. I don't kind of get stuck into the, uh, you know, pit of dismay, if you will. Catabolic energy. It's not good. Yeah. So, okay. Final question. This is the one for all the money in the world. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? So I, uh, there's two major philosophies that I've always lived by, but if I was going to have my headline, it would, it would be, don't ask why, ask why not. Ooh. Yeah, I've seen a lot of times, I'm one of those people who's like, well, why not? You know, like, why not, you know, try that restaurant? Why not call that person? Why not walk up to the stranger at the bar? Why not take a risk? Why not? You know, what do you get to lose? What's the worst that's really going to happen? So I think there's a lot of people out there that, you know, live with like a, in that fear of why I'm more of a, of a why not type of person. Oh, I think you just changed my perspective. I'm, I'm going to, I'm a why not. I'm, t I'm joining team. Why not? Wife and why not? <laughs> well, Chris, this has been so enlightening. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today and letting us know what it takes to be voted the best company to work for in New York city. How do people find you? Uh, so our website is a Verity team and it's a V E R I T Y team.com. Uh, I am all over LinkedIn. So pretty, uh, easy to find and very approachable. So anybody wants to reach out to me, feel free to, you know, ping me a, a post on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm one of those people I leave my contact information kind of right on there. So I'm not, I'm not too hard to find. You're a true recruiter if you've got your contact information there right splattered all over the headlines of LinkedIn. <laughs> sometimes you're happy about it, sometimes you're not. But again, why not? The right people will pick it up. That's right. That's right. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic, Chris. And I just have one more thing to say to you. Yeah. You, you are a VIP. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.